Hey everyone, and welcome for the very first time to The Gilded Lily. If you're new to the show, we are an improvisational and collaborative storytelling podcast that's focused on telling character-driven stories. Now, what does that mean? Well, we sit down at our desks, pretend to be someone we're not, and then record it all to share with you. We're here to weave a tale for you to enjoy, second by second, line by line. And the best part of it all is that we have no idea what we'll have next. Our story is being told with a game system you may or may not be familiar with, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. We loosely rely on the system to tell our own stories, independent of the lore and often problematic content that comes up with Dungeons & Dragons right out of the box. In short, this just means we use dice to decide what happens next in the story. This game and story is going to be a little different than the main feed story you are used to. The adventures of Alea, Thurbash, Haley, and Tedward are about individuals fixing problems, small problems. Together they travel, hoping to learn more about themselves and help out some small folks along the way. The show will be a little bit different. Together we will dive into the story of four wizards, each hailing from a different school of magic and each looking to do something new in life. Well, they end up finding something new, and that new thing is working on a pirate ship, and ultimately facing a cult that wishes to assimilate the planet's population. This story will involve some themes that I think you should be prepared for as a listener. Our story will have a largely anti-colonial narrative, and we will also tackle the much darker story element of mind control. Our players may face individuals who aren't aware of their actions and surroundings. None of this will be trivialized or made into humor. Though, that doesn't mean our show won't be funny. You will still see our normal brand of humor throughout. Before this game, I had discussions with my players about player comfort and safety concerning these topics. And together, we worked diligently to establish boundary lines that will never be crossed in our game. Player safety is very important to me. As for you, the audience, I will be posting content warnings in the descriptions of each episode so you can prepare yourself for some of the things we might encounter that aren't so savory. All right, let's set sail, adventurers. Tonight, our tale begins on the vibrant skies above the Bismuth Channel of the Azure Sea. On the western coast of Asperon, beneath us the water playfully rocks and sways to a song we cannot hear, but we can feel deep within our bones. We look up from this symphony to see the shores of the Drogma coast. Just ahead, a stretch of land curls into the air like an imposing wave of earth. There it hangs suspended like an open mouth, drinking in the waters of the sea. Atop this wave, we see a monolithic citadel standing resolute and dark against the vibrant green jungles beyond. The large obsidian border walls stand as protection against the dangers of the jungles. This is New Bismuth, the cultural citadel of the coast. As we approach a trio of armored wing walkers, massive reptilian dinosaurs the height of a modern giraffe with a jaw much like a pelican, fly toward the city. Their riders clad in the polished steel plate of the Legion. As we near closer and closer to the city, we see a myriad of ships of many different sizes, colors, and banners, 
bobbing patiently at the cave mouth beneath the city proper. We start here, in the Undercity, beneath the main city of New Bismuth. This cavernous district supports a rather large population of people who thrive in the shadow of the city above. Sunlight reflects in from the waters of the open bay, illuminating the ceiling in a dazzling, dancing pattern of light. We weave through the magically lit streets of this darkened, cavernous district. The sound of hammers on anvils and street-side food merchants ring into our ears as we follow an electric elevator at the back of the cave. This elevator lifts up, escorting patrons and wagons to the city above. As we emerge into the cobbled streets of the Patchwork District, the bustle of the city quickly becomes a droning blur that overwhelms our senses. Then, as quickly as it came, the chaos of the city is silenced by the serenity of nature. The Monastery Reserve, the official nature reserve of New Bismuth. Dotting this open landscape is where many of the city's temples, arboreal centers, and ecological studies call home. Our view settles, though, on the humble home of a gnomish woman, drinking tea with her fledgling student by an open campfire. And our view settles into a small clearing among the trees. Shafts of sunlight peek through the darkened leaves of the jungle trees surrounding us. And we see a small, Carolina, correct me if I'm wrong, gnomish? Yes, yes. that's correct. Okay. We see a small gnomish woman sitting cross-legged in front of a small fire. The kindling is crackling in the middle of this afternoon sun. And she leans over this black kettle hanging above the fire and is dropping in leaves of various color, purple and wine and varying shades of green. She reaches into a small wooden bowl and plucks some berries and drops them into the tea and begins to mix it around. She looks up and across the fire, we see another individual. Carolina, could you describe to us your character? Oh, of course. Uh, so Ioana is human. Uh, she is uh, very tall, uh, well over six feet, uh, and muscular. Um, she has olive skin, dark hair, and uh, dark eyes. Uh, she is wearing um, puffy trousers, dark colored, and a very simple uh, sleeveless vest. Uh, she also has a very colorful sash, uh, and uh, there is like very colorful embroidery on the on the edges of her vest um there is uh like a little bit of bruising on her face like she was in a fight recently um she is uh sitting across the fire from her uh from her gnomish teacher and she is looking um v pretty uncomfortable at the moment uh for whatever reason so your teacher Yasmin Kintero, she, with her old and wrinkled face, looks up to you. You seem a little tightly wound today. Is everything all right, Yona? Yes, it is. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes, why wouldn't I be fine? There's nothing wrong, everything is fine. You're just being a little more quick and short than, than usual. But that is okay. We can continue with our teachings this morning. You have done very well so far. 
uh, with your research and personal study into spectra. The all-seeing, God of divine divination and sight. Are there any new incantations or spells you have learned recently that you would like to share with me? I tried a few new incantations and uh, there is one that uh, I think will be particularly useful. Um, Mistress Yasmin, if you don't mind throwing something at me, perhaps? Okay, that, that I can do. Um, and she, like, reaches down. There's a little cane on the ground that she uses to walk with and grabs it and uses it to hoist herself up. And then reaches down and takes her old calloused hands and gently paws through the grass at her feet. Which, you looking down, you can see that the, the grass is kind of sticking up between her bare toes. And she picks up a decent-sized stone and... Huh, and hurls it at you. I don't make any move to avoid it, but I make a gesture in the air and I speak a word and a shield of magical energy appears in front of me, uh, increasing uh, increasing protections around me and the, and the stone just uh, glances off it harmlessly. What does the shield look like? Uh, it's basically like a shimmer in the air. Um, it, it has a little bit of color to it. Um, like flashes of, of pink, purple, orange, but it, it is almost impossible to see unless you look at it at the exact right moment. Ah, wonderful. Uh, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but that was one of the first spells that I taught myself. I'm sorry, I just got tired of, of, of getting punched in the face. It's, it's, um, this, this works. This, this, is, this is a good one. I, I like this incantation a lot. I should have learned it sooner. Oh, it is a very good spell. You gotta... Stick up for yourself sometimes, and you see her flex her now kind of thin and withered old lady arms. She, like, flexes with a little <laughs> grin. Gotta have some spunk. So, there's something I wanted to talk to you about. Um, as you know, I've spent a lot of time here at the monastery and working with the Academy of the Mists to further our teachings, um, further my knowledge about Spectra. And I, I would like you to know, I do not bring on apprentices often. But you know, there are many of you at the temple, and maybe once a decade someone comes, stays for a while, goes their way, and is pulled into the wanderlust of the city. And I would like you to know that I would hope you could be the person to eventually replace me with my duties here. Uh, my eyes kind of go wide when she says that. I, I, do you think I would be a, the right person for that? I. You are good, um, talented with the arcane, of course, um, but you have a, a little bit of a wild streak in you that I see in myself from when I was your age. Well, I was quite the partier myself. I heard the songs, yes. So many songs. <laughs> What do you think about that? I, um, I am honored, but uh, I'm not sure if I can see this happening um, anytime soon. I, I, I don't know much yet, and uh, I 
think there might be other things I have to do first. And uh, um, I'm sorry, I don't want to seem unappreciative. I, I, I very much value the teachings and the lessons. Um, but uh, do, do, do you really think I could do that? In time, yes. Um, though it would require a lot of time and meditation here in the reserve. Um, I may be thought of something more active and less... Um, and, and, and I kind of look at her and uh, because I, I think that I've not been very good at uh, following the, the, the meditation lessons and routines that she's been teaching me. Uh, that was probably like the, the, the part of my studies where I was least successful. Um, and I say, uh, if years of meditation is what's necessary, I think I may not be ready to try to accomplish that right now. Hmm. Well, I'm, s I'm sorry to hear that, and I I mean no harm by this, but I am not surprised. Many come here, and again, I'm pulled by the thrall of the city. How about this? Um, and she kind of reaches her hand out to you and kind of puts it, because you're very tall and she's very short. She kind yes. of puts it on your leg, essentially, as high as she can reach. <laughs> she can't put it on your shoulder up here. Consider my offer. Remember... Spectra works and sees in many, many ways and paths. Who knows? Your path away from here may wind you back someday. Um, can you roll me a, or well, you know, what's your passive insight? Passive insight. Ten. Ten, okay. Um, even you, you've been around her this long, but that piece of what she just said, um, Maybe our spectra sees in many different ways and paths, and maybe that path will wind back here someday. You can't get anything more than it felt rehearsed. Um, and you feel her hand kind of gently pull away from you, and she sits back down at the fire and begins to mix whatever's in this pot. If you would like to s continue lessons, um, I was just brewing up some tea to see some of what the future may hold. I would like that, yes. Come, sit. And she makes up this tea. And over the next five, ten minutes of its brewing, the sweet aromas of fruit kind of pull into the air. Whatever this is, it's some kind of tea that's heavily based in kind of putting this fermented fruit in it. Um, and after a while, she kind of pours this vibrant purple liquid into two mugs. She hands one to you and sits by the fire and then raises her glass and goes, two potentially happy futures. Yes? And she puts it up to toast. Yes, yes. I raise my glass as well and uh, kind of sniff, try to see if I can identify any ingredients in that. Um but I, I probably I see her uh, looking at me and, and expecting me to to take a sip. So I I just I just take a deep uh, sip of the of the tea. If you'd like, you can roll a nature check. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna be very good at that, but I can try. Wait, it's seventeen. Oh, nice. Um, so one thing that immediately hits your senses as you pull it up to your face to take a sip is juniper berries. 
the rest of it is kind of lost because of the sweetness of the smell of it. Um, it does, like I said, ferment it, so it does have a scent of alcohol in it. Um, mm-hmm. And you take a swig, and as you do, you see her take one as well. And she closes her eyes and breathes out of her mouth, and you see this kind of purple fume come out and curl into the air. I try to repeat the I try to repeat the same thing that she is doing, basically to uh, like use the tea in a way it should be used to to follow her steps. Okay, roll me a performance check. Performance. Yeah. Again. Eleven. Um, I want to be clear if if I ever suggest a skill check and you think something else would fit better, feel free to suggest. I'm very open. Okay. To that kind of stuff. Um, so eleven. Um, you follow along yes. pretty well. You sit in the same kind of posture. Your back straight up um, and kind of arched so that you're, it's like a tight pose and you breathe out the smoke and it passes by your face. As it does, can I have a wisdom saving throw? Okay. I 12. 12, okay. As the smoke curls past your face, you suddenly feel a hard rain against your skin, your shirt, your clothes, everything feels soaked to the bone. And you open your eyes, and you're no longer in the reserve. Around you is the swirling darkness of the sea at night. You can hear thunder cracking in the distance. You hear muffled voices yelling. Um, You hear hurried footsteps. Can you roll me a perception check? Of course. Wow, that is a four. Um, you don't recognize any of these people around you, but you do notice immediately that the soft grass has left your feet where you were sitting. And now it's the hard wood of a ship, a ship's deck. Ahead of you, you can see two tall masts and silhouetted by cracks of lightning, you can see a figure turning the wheel of the ship as it banks hard in the midst of this massive storm. And around you, you you hear a loud crash. You see something large impact with the side of the ship and crunch down. You see a cannon tumble over the side and you hear people screaming. And someone rushes past you and you see her sprint ahead, put her hands together and start mumbling an incantation. And she makes a gesture in the air, one that you recognize. It's something uh-huh. you've seen Yasmin do whenever she cast magic to manipulate future. And you watch as this woman pulls her hands apart and in the same gesture that you've seen your teacher do every time she starts a ritual. Um, You watch as the clouds above part for a moment and the storm recedes just around your ship, this place where you're sitting and bobbing in the darkness. And in the distance, you can see lightning cracking and large tentacles reaching from the ocean and looming in the sky, heading for the ship. And in these final moments of your vision, these tentacles crush down onto you and blacken your vision, and you awaken with a start. How would Ioana's rage trigger? Like, what would that look like if this was forced out right now? I think that she would uh, drop whatever it was that she was holding and try to reach for a weapon, but I don't think I have my sword with me right now, so I would just grasp at my at at, at, uh, at my belt where the where the sword's hilt would be. Um, 
and uh, she would jump to her feet and, and just just look around and try to find a target, something to attack, something to defend against. So you quickly pull out of this vision. Um, your heart is racing. Your eyes are bloodshot with fury. Um, your danger sense kicking in. And the only person with you is Yasmin, your teacher, just on the other side of the, the small flames. She's sitting there. You can see the smoke is also just passing her face as well, though she doesn't seem to be having a troublesome time as you are. Okay. Um, so is, is this vision something that is a complete surprise to me, or have we done this sort of ritual before? This, this is not only a surprise, but it's very, it's terrifying. Well, I think that uh, in this case, uh, if the rage kicks in, then the instinct is rather to attack rather than to flee. So I think that uh, I'm probably going to like kick at the at the at the fire at the flames towards my teacher. Oh no! Okay, I'm not going to make you roll an attack because it's she's an old woman sitting still behind a fire. Just roll me um, oh, no. a d4. Oh no! It's a two. Two. Okay. Um, you kick at the flames and hot logs and cinders lift up into the air and pepper Yasmin. And she, <gasps> my gods, what? And tumbles backwards. And you can see that there are burn marks on her skin from the cinders. Um, and you see her on her back on the ground. And her hands are kind of holding herself up. Her cane has been tossed to the side. And she's shaking her head, her head over her eyes that they're kind of white and clouded over and she's shaking her head. And as you watch the white fade away, you see her for a brief moment, look up at you with a bit of terror in her eyes as you're standing over her, breathing heavily in the midst of your rage, not really realizing what you just did. And then you see her process as in a, in a moment passes and you see the fear start to subside. And she goes, dear, are you, are you okay? Um, and she starts to stand up. You can clearly tell she's struggling a little bit. Okay. Um, I, I, I think that as, as soon as I realize I'm, I'm back uh, in the clearing and uh, I'm looking at my teacher and not at uh, some tentacly monster attacking me from the sea, uh, I, I think the rage is just going to, to stop, to drop uh, in a moment. And um, I am just going to like go down on my knees next to her to uh, make sure that she is all right. And um, I don't know any healing, but uh, I, I am going to like use prestidigitation cantrip to try and clear the suit of her clothing and her face. And I try to reach for her cane so that I can give it to her so that she can stand up. And I'm, I'm just apologizing constantly mm -hmm. time after time. And, and uh but I'm, I'm still like this a little bit furious voice because I, I think I'm, uh, but this time I'm furious at myself for what yeah. I did. This, this is not something I wanted to do. I would not ever want to attack my teacher. Mm -hmm. um, and as, as you're helping her, you start clearing away the wound. She goes, oh dear, it's, it's fine. It's just some soot. And as you wipe away the soot, you can see that there are burn marks from the um, coals of the fire. Oh, I'm so she sorry. Goes, I'm so is this, sorry. It's all right. What, what did you see? I saw a ship in a storm at night, a woman using magic like, like the one I saw you use when, when there were winds and, and rains coming that should miss us. Um, 
and she parted the clouds for a moment, but then a monster reached out from the sea, some kind of tentacle giant and, and crushing down upon the ship. Um, you see a look of kind of focus over her face and she squints her bow. Hmm. Why did I see that? What was that? You see a faint smile um, curl at the corner of her lips and she says, maybe it seems that Spectra does have a path for you yet. Did you get a look at the woman? I don't think I, I've ever seen her before. Um, as you say this, you feel her hand again touch on your thigh because you're so big. Yep, yep. Or I guess you're crouched down now, so she puts her hand on your knee. She goes, I think whoever this person is, they can help you more than I can, and Spectra sees it as well. And she like looks directly into your eyes. Maybe peace and serenity and meditation isn't the path for you. Um, and as she says this, you can see a, a, a warm and kind of comforting smile over her face, but it's kind of juxtaposed by, you can see the little burns on her from the, the coals that she got pepper with. They don't seem to bother her, but it bothers you. I kind of look down for a second and I say, um, uh, I should look for this woman, you say. Um, but does it mean that I will be with her on the ship or does it mean that she is on the ship right now being attacked by something? I don't understand. That is hard to say. Why aren't the omens ever clear? Why doesn't she, why doesn't Spectra, why don't the spirits speak to us in a way that we can understand? It makes no sense to me. They are connected with the world in a way that's different than ours. Over the years, I've learned that spirits, gods, those who can see what may come and may be meant to be, for you, your vision is like looking at a mirror. One clean slate, you can see what's behind you, you can see what's maybe ahead of you if you look around it. For entities like that, the mirror they see is shattered. What may come ahead is not entirely clear because the reflection is broken. So they can only speak in cryptic, unclear terms because that's what they see. I know that was quite cryptic. <laughs> I apologize, but... It's just frustrating. It can be. I find my peace in reading those signs and answers here. Yours may be somewhere else, it seems. I, I'll go. I, I should go. And I, I kind of like look at her again and, and, and the burn marks on her face and the um, like little holes burned into her robes. And uh, I start getting up. I hand her her cane. Um, Thank you. Well, can I come back later? I, I think I need to do something else first, but can I come back? I, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to disappoint you. She's, she sees the hesitation and just reaches out and grabs your hand and goes, Dear, you are always welcome here. When you find your path, come back. Show me what you've learned. We can share notes, maybe some stories, or she leans in even closer and kind of winks a little, a song or two. I, I, I don't know if I will have any songs to repeat, but maybe some new lessons and, uh, Thank you. 
No, thank and you. And I'm sorry again. I'm I'm so sorry. I I didn't I didn't mean to do that. Dear, and you watch as. How about I give you a parting gift? And you see her like open up her hand, and you see these golden threads connecting her fingers, almost like sewing threads. Um, and she motions over her rose with the holes in it and starts weaving her fingers like she's knitting something together, and you watch as the magic repairs the clothing. Things can be fixed. I try to repeat that. Um, roll me an intelligence check. Okay, just pure intelligence, right? Uh, uh, 16. 16, more than enough. Um, so over this quick time, she teaches you this gesture. It's a mending cantrip. Um, and together, both of you fix her, um, her kind of old and faded robes. Um, they're elegant, but they are showing their age. And she looks at you and goes, go. Spectra doesn't wait for everyone. All right. Thank you. I, I hope I can see you again soon. And uh, I will bring gifts of knowledge, the, the, the kind that you appreciate. Good. Maybe some good wine. <laughs> I can look for that too, yes. <laughs> um, okay, I will go and pack my things and uh, probably think about saying goodbye to my friends before I leave town. Okay. So as you kind of kneel down and start packing up your belongings um, in this small um, makeshift hut in the Monastery Reserve, which that in itself is a strange thing because the Monastery Reserve doesn't really have many structures aside from the religious temples here. But it seems Yasmin was able to make a home here for some reason, against all odds. Um, but you pack up your things. And our view pulls away from the silent serenity of the Monastery Reserve. We pass by the Temple to Spectra. Above it, a, a small blue orb is sitting on a dais as we pass through. And reflected in its shape, we can see, for a brief moment, something that looks like waves on the ocean. Hey, adventurers. I hope you're enjoying the fun so far. If you enjoy our show, please take the time to support us by following us on Twitter, reviewing us on Podchaser or iTunes, and just telling your friends about us. Storytelling is our passion, and I want to bring that passion to as many people as possible. Hell, we even made a second podcast just to do just that. I wanted to take the time that we would normally devote to our cross-promotions this week to give a shout-out to our newest addition to the show, the absolutely amazing Carolina. She's currently playing Ioana, the barbarian wizard, as you may have noticed, and you can find her on Twitter at PowerWordFU. She's an amazing cartography artist, world builder, and tabletop writer. Check her out and give her a follow on Twitter. She also has an amazing game called The Eleventh Day on DMs Guild. We played it with some guests and it was a chaotic blast. It's going to be coming to our feed pretty soon. We just have to nail down the editing. Don't forget, you can name your own NPCs on our website, if you'd like, at www.toapodcast.com. Also, if you have your own podcast and would like to reach out to do a cross-promotion with us, shoot us an email at talesofapodcast at gmail.com. All right, let's get back to the show. Our view pulls away from this crystal ball and quickly passes through the obsidian borders protecting the monastery reserve. Then we enter Jubilance the most vibrant and lively of the eight districts. Here, many of the city's more wealthy businesses, entertainment, arts, and educational institutions thrive. 
including the especially famous Plunge Tavern, where heroes of the Venture Association climb into the infinite maze beneath the city to compete for gold and glory hidden at the end. As we pass through one particularly crowded street, the clatter of construction overwhelms our senses. Orders barked, craftsfolk sharing a haughty tale from the last night's bar crawl, and the town crier shouting into the streets blend together into the comforting drone of city life. A large snapping sound is quickly followed by the careful hand of a mage clad in vibrant yellow clothing from the safety guild, raising their arms to catch a falling beam of wood about to crush the laughing workers below. Magic weaves around it and quickly slows its descent, saving our workers in the nick of time. From here, our view pans away to look upon a small three-story home. Wedged between two much taller buildings, this old dark wood row home feels dwarfed by the city around it. Its lawn is scraggly and unkempt and its iron wrought fence is specked with rust and flaking paint. On the street as we approach, another plate mail clad member of the Legion slowly passes by, riding a large reptilian predator known as a razor claw. Its vibrant feathers reflect the sunlight in strange ways as it passes our view, its two three-toed clawed feet clacking on the cobbles below. We move forward, settling on an upper window of this small unkempt row home as the curtain is nervously drawn forth. In the window on the top floor, um, we see a brief glimpse of a young man in a panic. Riley, would you like to describe yourself to the audience? Uh, uh, Riley is scruffy looking, um, clean shaven, has really scruffy light brown hair with a slight cowlick at the top, uh, deep dark brown eyes. He wears glasses with circular lenses. Uh, the right lens is a bit cracked with a simple frame, and there's a small scar right under the bridge of his nose. And right now, he is in, in a bit of a panic, and he's rushing about, packing up. Um, so we see uh, Riley reach up and look left and look right on the street, fear in his eyes as he pulls the curtain shut. And we pull into Riley's room inside this small house in the jubilance district of New Bismuth. What does his room look like? Uh, it's, it's a bit messy right now. Definitely messy. He's been scattered looking for things just to pack up right now. He's in a panic and he's looking, tossing his bed, trying to find anything that he might need to, to book it, to get out. Okay. You're quickly packing up your bags. What are some things that Riley would think are important to take with him? Oh, well, he's a wizard. So he's trying to find some co any small components he can find. Uh, in particular, he's looking for a small leather-bound notebook that he can keep in his pocket. Um, you see him flipping. He finds it. He's like, oh, I, oh, I, oh, I found it. Oh, thank God. Uh, he's flipping through it, and he it's just scrawled notes. Doesn't really have any kind of um, urgency. Just really crazily written. Uh, the most recent thing he wrote was the name Volo, and right next to it is the word Gubbins. Um, 
Okay. Oh, okay. Everything's intact. I'll stuff it in his pocket. And, uh, yeah. And that's about it. Um, so while you're bustling through your room and packing your things together, um, our view pulls away and dips through the floorboards. We see the crawl space filled with dust and mistreatment as we pass through down into the living room of your small home that you have been renting. Zira, you're down in the living room of this home. You can hear Riley, oh, sorry. You can hear O'Reilly upstairs, his feet clomping on the floor in a frenzy, which is a little uncharacteristic. Would you like to describe yourself to the audience and what you might be doing right now? Um, okay, so I am a half orc, um, pale green skin, dark hair, blue eyes, bit of a butte myself, you know, if, if I would say so myself. Um, <laughs> Charismatic. Yeah, um, and in terms of what I'd be doing right now, um, wondering what the heck is going on upstairs for someone who barely makes a noise when he's right next to you. I'm not used to hearing a, a whole floor away. Um, yeah, that, that's me. Well, uh, you asked what I was doing. Mm -hmm. um, probably studying, like always. Okay. Um, so you, maybe you're sitting at the dining room table. You have a series of books open. What are you studying? Uh, right now, I am... Uh, I have a variety of books open right now. Um, Better question. What type of magic does Zira prefer to use? Oh, okay. Um, I study onomancy. That is my, uh, my main field of study, which is the true name magic. True names, binding, and conjurations. So, yeah, sprawled on the counter um, before you are a variety of conjuration tomes, intermediary. They're not beginner, but they're not quite expert either. There are incantations for summoning circles. There are lists of, you know, drawbacks, precautions, things you can take to protect yourself against the things you may summon. Let's say if it is conjuration in true names, what is something Zira might be trying to conjure? Um, I'd probably be trying to look into ways to, how do I word it? be able to see something while not being there like to i think you used the term scribe before yes yes okay so in terms of conjuration um the tome in front of you is open and you can see it's a ritual for summoning a creature that would allow you to look through their eyes peer in on places where you normally wouldn't be and in the midst of you pouring through this tome very quick footsteps as O'Reilly comes tromping down the stairs, bags in hand, exasperated. <laughs> Zira, what are you, what are you studying? Never mind. It doesn't. It's not important. Are, are you ready? Um, just, just about. Uh, why are we rushing again? We got the, we got the thing. The interview. We have, oh, we have to go. It's fine. Everything's that's fine. Now. Oh. Yes. Yes. What are we gonna? No, again. Never mind. Let's go. <laughs> Okay, okay. I, I close all my books. I grab a couple of them and I, I, I follow him. Okay. Uh, O'Reilly is visibly like shaking. Mm, I don't think that's any different. <laughs> it's, not, it's not any different than normal. Is there, okay, so to, to give us a little bit of context here, the reason Riley is panicking is dire. Is there anything about his body language that, or about how he's behaving that would indicate something is worse than his normal levels of anxiety? 
just a bit. He's haphazard it from the from the way he normally he would have been like, "What what are you studying?" But um, and he would let he would be focused on that magic. He's very magic oriented, um, and that could sidetrack him very easily. Um, it's a bit different that he's asking. And then he's just he's kind of disregarding it. And he's trying to push forward with what he's trying to do, trying to get out of the house. I'm going to say zero because you have known Riley long enough. I mean, you you've been friends for a long while. You notice that that is odd. Um, something is off about Riley's behavior that's a little more panicked than normal. Mm. Well, hurry up. Let's go. Ross, okay. What the heck is going on with you? Right? You you, you seem Listen, more razzled than normal, and that's every, every, everything's fine. Let's just can we can we have a job interview? So you know, right? We've had plenty of job interviews before, and you weren't like I I wanna I wanna make a, a, a good impression. I've you know I've never left the city before, uh, let alone seen the uh, I big vast ocean. Uh, and and I'm excited. I'm a bit excited. Uh, oh boy, uh, everything's fine. We sh- we should just go, right right now, preferably. If you don't mind, that is. If you're still studying, it's. I can give you five more minutes. I like squint at him, and I just I get up and I and I just. Okay, let's go. Fine. Oh, don't forget your book. You can roll me um, an insight check if you want. Okay, I will definitely do that. <clears throat> For this new, I just click insight. Yeah, if you're doing that on roll twenty. Okay. Um, roll deception. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think so because you're saying there's nothing really wrong, and there's definitely something wrong. Okay. Ooh, that's bad. Uh, that is a deeper deception. That's a nine. Okay. With a, Damn, a, a roll that low, here's what I'll give you. In the midst of this conversation, when Riley is like. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing. It's fine. Nothing wrong. We're good. We just got to go. Come on, let's move. And you watch as for a brief moment in the midst of this conversation, you see Riley's eyes dart towards the window. And it looks out onto the street ahead of you, the kind of thin street with tall buildings. And outside you can see um, there is someone riding a mount, um, which you, because you have lived in New Bismuth most of your life, you come to recognize as just a natural part of the jungle landscape. You see a rider mounted on a large feathered raptor, which is sporting vibrant colors of white, red, and orange. And mounted on its back, you can see an armored knight bearing the insignia of the Bismuth Legion, kind of the peacekeeping force of the city. And in that moment, you kind of realize that you saw Riley's eyes grow wide when they notice this person outside the room, outside on the street, not stopping, just passing by. Hmm. All right, Riles, let, let's go. We'll, we'll talk about this later, but okay. I definitely know something's up. I'll, I'll explain when we leave, uh, when we get there. Let's go. Right now. Yeah. Um, and as he's leaving, uh, he notices a vial on the floor and he'll he'll pick it up. And he'll whisper to himself, yeah, and he'll he'll whisper to himself, oh, falls pile, and then stuff it in his pocket. All right, let's go. Okay. Um, so right as who would be the first to reach for the door? Uh probably Ralph, because he's in a rush. Okay. Um 
um, at this point, you reach for the door um, and you go to turn the handle and you hear a, a knock on the door. The one we're opening? Yes. Oh, jeez. Like you were about uh, to touch the handle and you hear a knock. Riley will take a couple steps back and kind of feel his... He's not looking back. He's looking at the door. He takes a couple steps back, like feeling back for um, for Zira. Uh, 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 Zira? Zira? Uh, I got it. I, I like get in between Riles and the door and then, I, and then I open it. Hides behind door. Okay. As the door swings open, um, we see... <laughs> the timing. That's crazy. <laughs> it was just leaving. That was amazing. She literally opened the door as I said it. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, the door swings open. Kalina, would you like to describe what um, Yolanda has with her right now? Uh, she has all her worldly possessions with her. So there is like a backpack on her back uh, and a very, very large sword uh, at her hip. Uh, and uh, her hand is raised up to knock on the door again. Uh, and then she kind of glances curiously at uh, Riley hiding behind Zira. Like, uh, hello? Are you leaving? I. Hello? Hey, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, what was your name? Joanna, I've, I've met you months ago, and you still don't remember my name? I'm sorry. I, I'm just Razzle. We were actually just in the process of stepping out for a second. You caught me off guard. My bad. I, um, I'm sorry. I, I would return another time, but I'm, I'm leaving town and I thought I would come by and say goodbye. Uh, you're leaving town for good? Where are you going? Uh, for a while, I, uh, I was going to head to... To the sea, actually. Um, I seem to be... I have to find somebody. Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of funny because we have a interview going towards the sea. The less people that know, the better. Oh, okay. Riley, as you're saying this, you notice that the, um, the Knight of the Legion has made their way down the street, turned a corner, they're long gone. Okay, um, we should go. We should go now. Yeah, let's go. At what um, kind of interview? What kind of um, job are you trying to get? Uh, on, on a ship? Yeah, on a ship. Not exactly sure what we're going to be doing, but yeah. we both need money, so. Yeah, Red, Red signed us up. Uh, we don't want to be late, so uh, we, we have to go. Could I join you, maybe, on this venture? Seems we're going in the same direction, and uh, if the ship is hiring people who know some magic and can also be useful around, I, I around the deck, I, I think I can help. I, I guess. Oh, she's. I forgot she's big. Yeah, yeah. I, I know her. We're cool. She, yeah, she's yeah, we're cool. cool. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Excuse my friend. Yeah, he is a little skittish. <laughs> yes, we've met as well. Uh, I... Yeah, so just to clarify, um, you all have kind of seen Ioana around in terms of like, you've seen her around, around the campus, the university campus that you were kind of mostly learning at. 
Um, so you're like good acquaintances or like friends, your call. Um, but you definitely know each other. Um, you've seen each other around. It's not like it's uh, this is a stranger at the door. Which is funny now because it's canon that Zira just keeps forgetting her name and it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> His magic has been for the past couple weeks Wait, up in, hold his, up, hold in up. his house. So Zira is a true name wizard and she can't remember anyone's <laughs> name. Hey, oh, what do you think? What do you think that's my main study Yes, I love it. That's amazing. That's perfect. I love it. Oh, that's well, great. Well then, uh, to, to the sea. All right, I grab my back by the door and then I head out. Okay. Um, here's how we'll close this off. Um, the three of you together step out of the house and make your way towards the street. Um, you reach down into your pocket and pull out a note on it. Written in your roommate's writing, um, read the Minotaur Rogue. He has generously written down an address for all of you to go to for an interview. There's no name of a person or anything like that. Just the name of a shop. It's in the Undercity stationed by the docks, um, and it's called Sashi's. You don't know exactly what that is because you don't really spend a lot of time in the Undercity um, because you live in Jubilance, so there isn't really much need for you to go down there. But um, the note says, Sashi's, 4 p.m., be discreet. You pocket the note and with some time, make your way to the Undercity. Now, quick question. Would all of you want to ride a train or would you rather walk? Mm, I'm always down for exercise, but I prefer walking myself. Yeah, I don't mind either way. I would, I would prefer walking. Also, question: uh, Would I know about Sashi since I've been getting into all kinds of scruffy fights, and I might have been in the Undercity from time to time? Um, yeah, actually, that's a great point. Um, roll me a history check. I think. Okay. This then. would just be kind of you remembering. That would be a dirty twenty. Nice. Okay. Yeah. You know Sashi's. Um, it's stationed on the dock. Um, you've been there a few times. What it is, is um, it's like a small sushi bar um, <laughs> kind of stationed on the, the like one, like a half a block from the water side. Um, it's favored by people of, I don't want to say ill repute because that's not the right word, but people who tend to do things that skirt the edge of the Bismuth Legion's law. Um, in the most case, some of the business—I can't say that—some of the Bismuth Legion's laws are a little unfair, and they have kind of outlawed goods that don't really make much sense. Um, and Who would outlaw sushi? Not sushi. They're evil. <laughs> They're evil. They must be destroyed. Wait, hold on. I think it's really <laughs> funny if they outlawed sushi, and that's why it's called <laughs> yes. Oh. You know what it is? Why it's, is sushi illegal? Okay, so let's let's figure this out. Maybe it's a particular Mercury type poisoning. of sushi that like you know how like certain fish have like poisonous things in them? And like if you cut it wrong, okay. you, it can kill you. What if there's a there's a fish or like a, a creature in this world that if you make sushi out of it, it can make you hallucinate if you eat it? Or maybe we it cannot be uh, it is illegal to fish it because uh, while meat can be used for sushi, uh, the poison glands or whatever can be used for like creating terrible poisons. Ooh, and I like that. I like that. Poison, okay. poison making is definitely not something that would be illegal I, anywhere. 
I yeah, that's, do like drug sushi though. That's perfect. Drug sushi is also good. Yeah. This, that sounds like a good time. This particular um, sushi bar, um, it again, it they fish, they pay some fishermen to catch these weird fish that um, are extremely poisonous, um, and they sell the poison sacks to make an extra profit. Um, so they are kind of like a um, a broker for goods and things of that sort. So Joanna, you're aware of that. Riley and Zira, never heard of it. Okay. Uh, do, do you tell me where we're going? Because you're the one with the note. I, I have no idea where we are actually I, trying I, to reach. I can't read Red's handwriting. Does this say sashimi? What, what, what? Let me see it. What's that say? You found my pun. Ha ha. <laughs> What's that say? Sashis? Yeah, it looks like saucy. Sashi. Sashi? 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 I know this place. Uh, I know this. I know where it is. Uh, they make there? really good sushi. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, kind go. of pricey though. Oh, no. yeah, I'm a little sushi. short on. Uh, uh, I'm not very. I'm not. I don't have a lot of funds left. But wait, oh. are are is is a job interview to be cooks? Do you yeah. want to? be hired in the kitchen making sushi we kind of left that up to up to red yeah so there were three of us and he backed out uh just to to clarify red told you guys that this would be a job that would get you out of the city yeah that's all we know and that's all we care about we we only know it's gonna skedaddle us on out of the city Uh, maybe we're just meeting somebody there and not actually being hired by the place that makes more sense to me yeah, we can grab a bite because I am finished. Okay, um, so with that conversation, um, our view pulls away as it is slowly drowned out by the bustling mid-afternoon um, crowds of the new business markets. Um, you make your way to a large, one of the large elevator shafts that take your take you down into the depths of the undercity. Um, as the doors open, you are greeted by this warm light of all these arcane crystals and globes that are embedded all over the walls and streets of the Undercity. Because there's no real natural sunlight down here. It's just dark. Um, And after some time, you make your way to the front of a small sushi shop known as Sashi's. Hello, pirates. No? Maybe? Yeah, we'll figure it out. Thanks for sticking around, and I hope you're as excited as I am for things to come. Our songs and ambient music for this episode are features from Kevin McLeod and Sword Coast Soundscape, which you can find in our episode descriptions as usual. Go check them out. They're both amazing creators and they do wonderful things for this community. I'll keep this one short and sweet. We'll be dropping episodes for the show during the off weeks of the main feed, so you can get double the Asperon in the same amount of time. If you like us, you know, reviews, follows, all that's great too. Stay healthy and see you soon.